This is what the liturgy is. It's we're being drawn into our our salvation, right? And so it's not just a worship service. It is not a human creation, right? So the participation in our salvation fundamentally means that liturgy is something that is made by God. It is not a human creation. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Bulletin, the official podcast of St. Anthony of Padua in the Woodlands. My name is Nate Hoffman. I'm the Communications and Development Coordinator here at St. Anthony. And today, I am joined by our very own Coordinator of Liturgy, Brian Jones. What's up, Brian? What up, Nate Dog? How's it going? Very well. How about you? How, uh, good. How long has it been So uh, since you podcasted? I know you were on this one uh, a couple years ago, right? Good grief. Uh, 1980. No, it was... Uh, the that's very what it first feels like. Podcast. Yeah, I think, man, I want to say it was like early, some spring of 2019, I wow. think. Okay. Uh, so, somewhere in, in that range. It was because uh, I started here May of uh, 2018, so I think it was about a year ish after i could be wrong but i think it was somewhere early 2019 so brian is you've been at the parish then three years ish uh yeah yeah i was hired uh may of 2018 uh they had a number of really good candidates they all dropped out so it was just by default that, <laughs> that i was selected i love getting jobs by default yeah That's, i think really it was yeah they didn't have any other into success yeah they didn't have any other option <laughs> Uh, so, so Brian was sort of the, sort of the new guy before I was the new guy. I've been here about six months. So Brian, the, uh, the first part of this pod, the, the reason we kind of brought it back and, and what I was wanting to do with it, uh, for the first, I don't know how many weeks of episodes was to take a tour of the parish for me mm-hmm. as a new person here, both as a new parishioner and a new employee. Mm-hmm. I found that there's a lot going on at St. Anthony's and, Sometimes it was it was a lot to digest. It was like drinking out of a fire hose at yeah. times when someone was telling me, what all do we do here? So for the last couple of weeks, we've had uh, uh, conversations about our youth ministry and all of our, uh, yeah, our youth ministries, our marriage uh, prep ministries mm-hmm. from Mary Beatty last week. Um, and now we want to take a dive into something essential to the parish. Your position, what's your job title? Coordinator of liturgy. The liturgy. Mm-hmm. The liturgy. Um, so yep. this is, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but I wouldn't, what even is that? I've yeah. never even heard that as a job <clears throat> before. Yeah. Most people haven't. Um, especially people that work in parishes, they've never heard of that title. <laughs> There's literal components to it and then more metaphorical ones. Um, but in general, you know, I'm, I basically kind of coordinate and, sort of handle all the behind the scenes stuff, right? Mass begins and, and that's usually what everybody is used to, right? You just, you're attending mass and and that's what you see. And typically you don't, nobody really sees all the behind the scenes sort of stuff. I hate making it sound like it's a, like it's theater, but, you know, working with the sacristans, those that are preparing the altar, um, you know, all the hosts and the wine. I basically am sort of over all of those volunteers, the sacristans, altar servers, um, our ushers, our lectors. And so we I have a, a team of people that leads uh, is kind of like the lead of each of those ministries. And um, but so basically we 
I do all the the formation uh, on the ground kind of how do you carry out these specific activities or these particular functions with respect to the liturgy. So it's funny you brought up the uh, you mentioned like the play. Because yeah. if you if you do think about it in that way, there's a lot of there's some similarities there where it's an hour long, uh, very rehearsed and planned mm-hmm. presentation where different people are playing different roles. Right, there's a script involved, yep. pretty important script. Yep, that you might uh, kind of uh, a big deal. Tell us about the uh, sure. the missile there, but um, but yeah, it's very similar to a, a, a show. Is mm-hmm. liturgy and is that connected in any way? Is are because every single liturgy is the same. So yeah. If you if you're doing it right, is that right? right? In one sense, uh, what what we're talking about is true, and then and then not in another. Right? There is a uh, the Latin phrase is the uh, the ars celebrandi, right? The art of celebrating. So there is a kind of artistic element to celebrating the liturgy well, liturgy that is celebrated well according to the rite itself. For uh, somebody, um, I was just reading this the other week from uh, Pope Benedict, right? He says, the pinnacle of the, the art of the celebration of the liturgy is the, the rite being celebrated properly, right? But, so, there, there's a human and the divine aspect in, in that. And so, this, this sort of behind-the-scenes kind of the, the theater connection, again, it's not to reduce liturgy to that, but there's a lot that goes, be, that goes on behind the scenes, and, and the reason for all of that preparation and all that proper setup is to be able to allow the, the sacred action to occur and to take place smoothly in a way that's beautiful and noble and so that it sort of fosters and draws you into participating. We have to do the setup mm-hmm. for it because it's um, even though it's the same and even though we've all done it, we all know what's going on, uh, you know, in terms of people that are setting things up for the uh, for the liturgy. There's still um, you know, there's still preparation, and, and and too, it depends on the kind of liturgy it is, right? There's unique differences for setup for a you know a funeral liturgy or a wedding liturgy, you know, versus daily mass or Sunday liturgy, things of that sort. So, what is sort of the definition then of liturgy? What is a liturgy, and what is not? A liturgy. Uh, there's so many appropriate sort of definitions that are all synonymous with each other. But I mean, liturgy is, generally speaking, it's it is you know the it is basically the the sacred action of our salvation occurring again. Right. This is what the liturgy is. It's it, we're being drawn into our our salvation. Right. And so it's not just a worship service. Right, so you asked, what is it and what is it, what it is not? Right, um, it is not a human creation. Right, so the participation in our salvation fundamentally means that liturgy is something that is made by God. It is not a human creation, and it's very. And, and I mean, in our conversations, and even perhaps the way that we ourselves speak, it's very easy sometimes to uh, maybe easy is not the right word, but it's not uncommon. I would say for people to slip into that those those terms and say, "Oh, that was a great service," mm-hmm. um, because a service does have a, a predominantly human connotation, right? And and the liturgy is fundamentally not a service. It is not of human origins, right? And this is what it's fundamentally distinct is the liturgy is something that is given to the church 
as the body of Christ by God, right? And so, in a certain respect, we can say it doesn't properly belong to us. No, I mean, that's fascinating. I, I do think that so often, like myself, I'll go to Mass, a Mass here or a mm-hmm. Mass back home or when I'm traveling or something, yeah. and I'll be disappointed sometimes sure. or or often not engaged. You know what I mean when you yeah. go around, you go around and... Um, yeah, you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm not. This is this is not a good show in some senses. You're you're sure. sitting through and you're like, I'm bored. I I don't understand what this priest is saying in this homily. And the homily is a great example of something that. Yeah. It's one of the few things I guess in these liturgies that we're talking about these masses that mm-hmm. is different sometimes. So yeah. it's just an interesting thing to go around. Why aren't we doing it well? Why why are there so many places where you end up going to church? I don't know. It, it seems like something is missing the mark. I don't want to give any specific examples, mm-hmm. but I think we've all been to a a, a a mass that seemed to be like, well, that doesn't that doesn't seem heavenly. That didn't sure. seem like where heaven meets earth, which is one way to, to yeah, describe a liturgy. Right, the earthly liturgy as a foretaste of the and participation in the heavenly liturgy. This this could be a, a long winded answer a whole series on, on what the some of the things I'm going to say but just in listening to you talk in terms of how you're framing the question um, one of the things that is very sort of striking that I have found is you know most people their knowledge of the liturgy this this is not a critique this is more of a sociological observation if you were to ask somebody you're asking me now what is the liturgy how would you explain the liturgy right what 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 characterizes it? Um, its essential components, features, and most people, the, the, the source from which they can only answer is their experience of Mass, right? Because most people, apart from the clergy, really have had no formal education with respect to liturgy. So what does that mean? That means that when we're thinking about, well, what constitutes liturgy, when we're really reflecting on it, I, I often speak about liturgy not as content, but as context, in other words, we, we build a vision, a liturgical vision, from our experience of being at Mass. So when I let's just go back to give you one example. When people refer to the Mass as a service, there was no formal class where that was taught, right? You didn't take a class and somebody said, look, folks, in the olden days, we used to refer to this thing you went to on Sundays as a Mass. We're going to start referring to it now as a service, right? We don't make an announcement at St. Anthony's before Mass and say, folks, be careful. We don't want to call this a Mass. This is really a service. So where does that come from, right? There's something about perhaps the context of liturgy. Um, I'm not saying that at St. Anthony's. I'm just saying broadly speaking— mm-hmm that makes us view it in that way. There's something about the context of the liturgical expression that we most often experience, right? How the rite is celebrated, the art of the celebration, as I mentioned earlier. How the rite is celebrated gives us a vision of what liturgy is, and that can be good, what the church calls us to, or that can be not good, and saying, you know, we're, we're in our liturgical expressions, we're not actually doing what the church is asking us to do in the right books or, you know, in the rubrics or what have you. So part of the answer to your inquiry about, you know, something was off, right, there can be a general sense in which even the how of celebrating Mass is confused or uncertain, right? Um, you did mention earlier, the last thing I would say, so so people don't fall asleep, um, you know, that the Mass is the same everywhere. But it's probably not an uncommon practical experience that that's not true, 
right? Mm-hmm. That you, uh, you know, maybe say, well, if I'm traveling and I go to St. Anthony's, I know what I'm going to get. But if I travel to, you know, St. X Parish in this place, oh, you know, I don't know what that's going to be. Um, things get weird, right? So there's a sense in which there's not actually, in many respects, a unity of, of liturgical practice where it is the same across the board. And there's a number of reasons for that, which again could be a whole course. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's not an uncommon parish experience. No, yeah, I think I just I guess I find it fascinating. I mean, I've I've done a little reading, a little. Um, uh, research, taking some courses and this type of thing. Yeah. Nothing like you fancy. Um, where'd you guys go to school? Franciscan? Uh, Franciscan University, baby. Oh, wow. In Ohio, is that? Yeah. It's uh, the other O. It's not Oklahoma. It's Ohio. <laughs> Which one is, is, hot, is the top O of all the states? Uh, Ontario, Canada? No. Yeah, I think I it's... Uh, no, I've heard um, this description of, of things that are holy or sacred or yeah. things that are in a liturgy mm-hmm. rightly have... Uh, otherworldly mm-hmm. feel yeah like like you walk into a mass um that is done well or you you see the priest in his vestments yeah. you hear um you hear these uh, chants and these sounds and these sights that are of, of incense and things like that yeah. and you, you think that this is not um you know a graduation ceremony mm-hmm. or uh, a birthday party or or mm-hmm. any th- other sort of gathering it's otherworldly. It's different right. than every single other thing that you do. And that has value in itself because we are right. people of uh, senses, sights and sounds and, and yeah. smells. So we walk into something and we immediately recognize that priest is wearing something weird and different. Yes. No, um, that's right. You know, and and there's a reason for that. It's not just a, not simply because like that's what they were wearing when we started the church. So they yeah, kept wearing right, that stuff, right, you right. know. The liturgy is is maintained and not not simply to be old, not mm-hmm. not simply to feel ancient. Although that is mm-hmm. that is something true about the liturgy; yeah. it is ancient, uh, but to feel otherworldly, like we said earlier, a mix between heaven and earth, uh, where mm-hmm. heaven meets earth. Is that is that um, does that all make sense? Uh, no, not at all. Yeah, no, it does. <laughs> no, no, no. It's. I mean, your descriptions are are very good in that. Um, you know, in 1998, uh, Pope John Paul II had his ad limina visit with the uh, bishops of the western part of the of the United States. He he gave a reflection on the liturgy and the reforms following the Second Vatican Council, and it was what was striking was that the kind of alluding to the point that you said. He said there are we can never because of the incarnational reality of God becoming man and also because, you know, we're embodied creatures, we can never forget the human elements of the sacred liturgy. But he says, however, what can never be forgotten or neglected or even rejected is that liturgy ultimately has to be countercultural, right? Because you think about it from the perspective of how long, right, just across civilizations and, and, and even now, right, across the entire globe, uh, you know, the liturgy has involves human beings with many different dialects, right? And so you have all of these differences of, of civilizations and nations and local cultures. So, and yet the universal in its sort of pinnacle is, is, is um, it, it is something that is universal, right? It transcends time, it transcends cultures, language, right? Customs and practices of a local people. So in a certain respect, maybe we could we could say that 
I think to your point earlier, in many respects, what can be missing from liturgy is this countercultural components or, or these elements. And um, and 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 it, let, let's be clear about one aspect of that. Whatever you think about liturgy, there there is certainly a attempt under the rubric of being pastoral to do that, right? If it's too countercultural, it may not be palatable for a particular people or or group mm-hmm. of individuals, right? And and so the the challenge there that is faced, you you talk about the vestments, and I think this is a really important point. You think about the priests and the deacons. The first act that they do before they enter the sanctuary is they vest themselves. And so, I mean, there's the symbolic nature of wearing different. You know, this is not ordinary, so we wear we don't wear ordinary things the vestments. But there's also the, the symbolic nature of, you know, St. Paul's saying that he must increase, I must decrease. So you asked earlier what liturgy is not. It's not uh, a set of preferences, right? I don't, I don't come to Mass in the hopes that what I, my preferences or desires are that they'll be met here, or that, you know, like, I really want this, I really... Um, you know, I, I love being able to see this priest's face or, or you know, so, like it's not a, a bad thing, but you have to be able to say that that's not the purpose of the liturgy and that's not why we come to Mass. But when the priests and the deacon, when they vest, their preferences go to the wayside. Mm. Now, again, that's a, that's a long um, conversation about preferences and, and oh, liturgy. Yeah. I mean, even that comment of being countercultural yeah. could lead to a t- ton of conversations on yep. what, what is good that is cultural mm-hmm. in our that we do have in our yes. masses and our, our, yeah, our right. liturgies, right? So, yep. um, f- so for Joe Parishioner, Joe and Jane Parishioner coming to Mass this Sunday, yep. what should we do? in a sense to, you've heard the phrase, maybe enter into Mm -hmm. the Mass, enter into the liturgy. What are some good practical steps to do that? Um, And no more high-minded, highfalutin, you know, PhD talk. For those of you who who don't know, Mr. Bryan is a uh, PhD candidate uh, in... In philosophy. Philosophy. A very practical subject matter. It's coming back. It is. It's making a comeback in for about 30, 30 to forty people <laughs> you in the are country. A rock star, right? <laughs> thirty people. Okay, so so just but just for me, you know, yeah. I'm coming to mass this Sunday. Me, and my my fiance. Yep. That's my goal to say that I have a fiance on every single t- podcast. It's beautiful. Just to sort of flex it's a little beautiful. bit. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, and, and let's be clear, your fiance is a nurse. Mm-hmm. And one of the the temptations that nurses have is they feel like they can they can save people. Mm-hmm. And and so I think because my wife is also a nurse, I right. think that's probably both their temptations. They see us, they know we probably would never get married, right. and they're like, "Look at these schmucks." They the, pick these, projects. Yeah, yeah. And the, we're sick patients, and they're going to heal us. And we're being healed. Yeah, I, I, I have been. And you know, I have no problem with that. <laughs> right. if that is the case. That I am perfectly okay with <laughs> hey, that. Hey, heal me. I know my place in this world. That's right. Yeah, that's right. All right. So I'm going to mass this weekend. Yep. How do I enter into this liturgy that this mm-hmm. place where heaven meets earth, where um, not just a uh, a program right. or a service, but something that God made? How do I? How do I guess? How do I enter into that with a higher appreciation this Sunday? Obviously, the the most important one, and it it, it sounds cliche or like a bumper sticker thing, but obviously, um, fidelity to prayer 
I, I mean, that that's the main one. And it, again, it sounds like, well, yeah, duh. But there can be a tendency to think, you know, with the kind of regularity of, of going to the sacraments that there's sort of a, a right, you know, I, I have a right to this. And so, you know, I'm at mass, so I'm just, I'm always going to receive Holy Communion because I'm, you know, I'm always at mass. And, and so I, th- I think there's a sense in which, you know, having a deep prayer life is, you know, the, the sacraments, it's funny, right? They do work that what's the, the theological term, right? Ex opere operato, right? Mm. They, they work because of what they are, because Christ instituted them. Not because as, of the value of you or the right, does it. Right. And yet at the same time, they're not automatic in that you can't just, you know, say, well, you know, I'm going to live a life of mortal sin. I'm not really going to seek to follow Christ. But, you know, when I come, but I'm going to come to Mass, I'm going to receive Holy Communion and, and not really reform my life. I mean, there is an element of we have to respond to the grace that is being offered. The, the central piece of that is prayer. If we're not praying, the liturgies effect on us will not be fully encapsulated, mm-hmm. right? So that's number one, and that can never be um, overemphasized enough. If we're not praying, then we're actually working against the very action of the liturgy itself. That's key. Um, the second one, I would say, is to be able to really pay attention to, and I, I don't mean this in like, this is the only thing you focus on in the Mass, but to pay attention to what actually draws you in the liturgy. You mentioned the, you know, we're, we're, we're embodied and, you know, the senses, the smells, the sounds, all of those things. Because we're embodied creatures, they matter. That's why they're present. They signal things that are transcendent, but they have their origins in the material. One of the things that I often tell people is really just focus on what it is that's actually drawing you to the liturgy. And the reason why you would want to do that is twofold. One, it'd be able to just something that is actually brought to your attention. And 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 so you get to see, like, what are the good elements that I'm actually drawn towards? And then two, the other aspect is a kind of uh, purification, if you will. When you start to, to pay attention to what it is that you're actually paying attention to, you may come to find that you need some level of purification of what you're drawn to or attracted to, right? And that that's, so that gets back to the elements of preferences, right? And again, the, the the list there can be very broad and deep, but it's it's to be able to say, well, what is it that's really drawing me that the Lord is drawing me into? How is he drawing me into the sacred liturgy, right? And, and for each of us, that's going to have elements of similarity and differences. But I think that's a really important point because it gets to the context aspect of things that we never noticed before or paid attention to. Very simple example, something like incense, right? Mm-hmm. Incense for me, because I'm I'm a I'm a big baby, I'm a crier, right? Incense for me is always powerfully moving, always, right? And so it's okay, well what is it about the incense that is so moving, right? Why would this be in the liturgy? What does it signify? Right. So these kinds of things where you're paying attention to them and, and then maybe even you start in, in that respect, you start to look maybe start paying attention or looking for things which you never noticed before. Why is the church constructed in this particular way? Why do we have the nave where it almost looks like, you know, the tabernacle is sort of sequestered off Mm -hmm. from everything else, right? Those kinds of things. So you're starting to ask yourself the the kinds of questions that perhaps you were never paying close enough attention to, which obviously saying that it all presupposes that you're paying attention at mass. Right. Yeah. I was going to say the thing that draws me into mass is what I like to do as communion is to stare at people's shoes and then guess what there they look go. like. And, and see, so now Nate is revealing his disorder, right? That's right? Nate needs purification. I do. One additional thing I would say that 
in light of that second point about what to pay attention to, the prayer, paying attention to the various contexts within the liturgy, I would say at the same time, we shouldn't reduce the liturgy to simply a kind of a cerebral or intellectual thing where the goal is to try to understand everything, right? Because the liturgy is fundamentally uh, mysterious. And so there's an element of we cannot grasp what's going on. So it's it's kind of this, there's there's intelligibility to it, but then there's also these elements that transcend. I'm, I'm not saying it's irrational, but I'm saying it's beyond our ability to fully grasp and understand, right? Like, so you think of like the mystery of the Trinity, right? We can understand some snippets of the truth of that mystery, but it's ultimately a mystery. It's never something that the human mind can grasp. So too with the, the action of God that is the liturgy itself is not something to be reduced to, well, I want to make this more intelligible so that, you know, kids understand it, you know, or so that certain groups of people, you know, can understand what's going on. There's an element of mysteriousness that can't be overshadowed. Uh, what are some resources folks can use, um, say books, to, to dive in, to, to, to know what they're getting into in a sense? You mean good books in terms of liturgy? liturgy? Yeah. Well, I mean, it it depends on level of, uh, you know, how deep you want to go. Certainly in probably recent times when Benedict XVI was simply uh, Joseph Ratzinger, Cardinal Ratzinger, he wrote a book called Spirit of the Liturgy, which is probably in the last hundred years, perhaps one of the, if not the most significant, insightful book on liturgy. There's there's actually a, a priest uh, who's dead now, um, Alexander Schmemann, who's written some, not, not, these are not intellectual treaties, he wrote some just really good short books on liturgy, on what it is, and, and just kind of the, the modern contemporary challenges with how we view liturgy and things of that sort. So, um, yeah, anything by um, Cardinal Robert Seurat has written some good things, some um, a couple good texts on liturgy, some given some good talks on liturgy. So, yeah, there are some good good things out there for people to um, easily access. Good deal. Yeah. Okay. Well, folks, dive in. I'm sure we're gonna have more on uh, from St. Anthony's on these types of things going forward. Yep. Some other things from around the parish, we've got a um, Theology of the Body Week. We are releasing all four of those uh, sort of classes or talks from Mr. Mike Gormley um, in probably an audio uh, setting. So you guys can download them probably on this feed and um, and check those out. So be on the lookout for the Theology of the Body series. Um, we've also got a book study coming up on Return it's a book called Return, How to Draw Your Child Back to the Church by Brandon Vaught. Um, so that'll be every Tuesday for about six or seven weeks. Check out our events page for all of the stuff going on at St. Anthony's, ap.church slash events. Uh, you'll see some updates and about what we're doing here and, and a lot more for the rest of the summer and moving into fall. So, Brian, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Dude, this was, this was probably too much fun. Illuminating. Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but yeah, no, I mean... Enlightening? Somewhere in between. It was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Brian. Yep. Folks, we'll see you next time.